We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pack-A-Day Podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Um, Ross, we can jump right into this. The Packers season is officially over, and we have two games left to watch. Uh, Not a lot to watch for. A lot of stuff floating around right now. Uh, Will Rogers play or will Rogers not play? But this is really uncharted territory for a lot of Packers fans, uh, myself included. This is the first time in my, I guess, my my fandom, or not my life, but the first time that I can remember the, that the Packers have had back-to-back losing seasons. Really the first time in a long time that I can remember that they are going into more than one game with absolutely nothing to play for. Uh, these next two games, I, I tweeted it out. I said the biggest thing we honestly can hope for in these next two games is that there are no catastrophic injuries that would carry over into the 2019 season. Um, so, Ross, I don't know if you have any advice for Packers fans out there about, you know, what we can what we can hope for, what we can expect. Is it okay to root for your team to lose for a better draft pick? I mean, that's kind of something that I've been battling with myself. But, Ross, can you just kind of 
walk us through that and and try, and just guide us here because this, like I said, this is uncharted territory. No, you know, I don't think you can actively root for the team to lose. I mean, you, you, you're a fan; you do whatever you want. But in general, even when I uh, have have understood, you know, had a full understanding of the fact that it would be in Green Bay's best interest to lose a game. I still go through the motions of the game, uh, you know, fist pumping every time they get a first down or jumping up every time they score. You you can't really remove that part of your, your heart. You know, it's too tough, I think, uh, to, you know, want the team to do poorly. Now, sometimes you get where I have been, which is, you get apathetic and it becomes difficult to care. And that's kind of a different thing. Uh, but as far as, you know, like knowing that the best interests of the club are to lose to New York and sit down and watch the game and, and cheer on the jets. Like I, I just, it's not in me. I, I don't know. It's just not in me. Yeah. And that's, I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's cause that, even the bears game, I'm kind of at the point where it's, you know, we, there's a little bit of hope for them if they won. But then when the Vikings jumped out, I was kind of just like, oh, okay. Like, I, you know, if I, I kind of want a top 10 pick. But at the same time, you're, you're 100% right. It's the Bears. And when it boiled down to it, I wanted to win that game. Um, and I think that's just kind of how, how you go through it. But um, there's a lot to be said about that. There's going to be a lot of draft talk coming up here. Um, and I want to touch on that a little bit today. Just because, um, you know, if if we had a shot to fix the Packers, that's kind of what I want to walk through today because you've seen it. And just to kind of set this up, I mean, you've seen it. You know, last year, you know, I live in Kansas City. There was all this talk of, you know, this is a soft, this is a soft rebuild for the Chiefs, a soft rebuild. Okay, well, what does that mean? The Packers, in my opinion, are kind of in that same phase where it is a soft rebuild because you do have pieces in place. You can see teams you know, turn around drastically in the NFL. I mean, the Bears, honestly, are a great example of that. Last year, they finished fourth in the NFC North Division. And yesterday, or two days ago, they were they had a, a dance club in their, in their locker room because with two weeks left, they just clinched the division. Um, so when people talk about this whole, well, you know, so-and-so has set this team back 10 years, or that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, teams can turn it around so quick. So, um, I want to take a stab at what what we would do, and let's just walk through the off season in general. Um, so the first thing, Ross, and I'll just kind of I'll rapid fire these questions at you. The first thing that I think we're going to see, or not I think that is going to happen, is the Packers are going to select a new head coach. So if we're going through the season, um, who is who would be who would you pick to be your next head coach of the Green Bay Packers? You, you got the field, whoever you want. I mean, if I and actually, if you guys want to check out my latest piece on cheeseheadtv.com, uh, I, I straight away from the normal, um, you know, I, I straight away from the normal formula of after further review, and we actually kind of did a little bit of off-season work where I, I kind of put myself in charge. And the only thing I didn't do in that piece was select a head coach, except at the very end where I said all they need to do is grab Lincoln Riley, baby, and that's still my guy. Uh, I think he is the number one coaching target, young, brilliant offensive mind. Uh, I think it would be their chance to add a guy like, like McVay 
And, uh, you know, that doesn't guarantee you anything, as we saw with the Rams lost to the Eagles last night. But I think it'll give the Packers a better chance than most. And so uh, I would I would keep Mike Pettin, promote him to associate head coach, if that's something that they feel like is necessary. Uh, and, and then, you know, your head coach would be Lincoln Riley. And then he can bring in whatever, uh, you know, offensive mind he sees fit. You know, that's interesting. I really thought you'd go with uh, Pat Fitzgerald. I, I know you're a big fan of his, so I'm surprised you went with Lincoln Riley. And I have nothing against Pat Fitzgerald. I just I, I don't think that that needs to be the case. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's just – as Robert May said, this is the number one job in football, uh, the number one available job in football you get a candidate better than Pat Fitzgerald for that job. You just do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. It just seems like the writing has been kind of on the wall for the Packers to bring in a Pat Fitzgerald. And I honestly, I kind of hope I'm wrong about that, but um, that's just kind of what I've, I've been kind of reading the tea leaves. And uh, I, cause I'm with you. If, if I could pick one head coach um, to come in and coach the Packers, it would be Lincoln Riley. And the one thing I will say about Lincoln Riley, and I'm just, and so just say this with the caveat of he, he would be my guy. Uh, but I think the one, the big concern that I would have with Lincoln Riley is just, you know, how do you get a guy to come in that is younger or, you know, younger, the same age as Aaron Rodgers. Um, but Aaron Rodgers isn't even the big issue. How do you get a guy to come in that young who's used to talking to collegiate type athletes to come into a locker room full of, you know, grown ass men? And telling them, hey, I'm you know I'm the head guy in charge now. This is how we're going to do it. Um, you need to get on board. You need to follow me. Like, how does a guy like Lincoln Riley do that? And I guess you know you could say that about any coach. How do they come in and do it? But um, what you know what Ross to you makes you believe that Lincoln could come in and do that? Well, I think what you do is you you provide him with assistance with real experience. And number one would be Mike Pett. Uh, you know that you you. You, you professional. These guys are professional. They want to win. Uh, if they believe in your scheme, if they believe in what you're selling them, they're going to buy in. I don't care if you're 25. Uh, but but the way to overcome a little bit of a lack of experience at head coach is to have coordinators that know you know kind of what what's going on. And so that's why you know I would love to see uh, you know maybe John D. Filippo is not a terrible idea as an offensive coordinator. I know Vikings fans would laugh at that, but um, you know, he was a head coaching candidate 20 minutes ago, it seems like. And and he's a guy now that's had a chance to to run an offense and and a guy that did excellent things with Philly. And he's, you know, out there. Uh, but, but anybody that has, uh, you know, 10, 15, 18 years in the NFL, uh, someone that can come in and be the offensive coordinator with a defensive coordinator that's literally been a head coach in the league, I think that's kind of where you're where you're looking at uh, supplementing a perceived lack of experience from a guy like Lincoln. Yeah, no, 100 uh, percent. I think that's exactly how you do it. Um, OK, so for those of us following along, Ross, you have your first move. You would bring in Lincoln Riley to to run this team. You would keep uh, Mike Pettin. And so next the next thing up would be free agency. Uh, the Packers are going to have. Uh, more money, more cap room than, I mean, in, in recent memory, you know, this off season. So 
Brian Gutenkus, he's got he's got some some money to throw around. Uh, let's say you could target you. Let's give me a give me a, a top tier type free agent that you could bring in, and then if you could you know just riff off the top of your head, what about a a, a mid tier type guy that you could bring in as well? And then you can I mean if you want to go even deeper, you can. But if you could give me two names, kind of a top front line type guy, and then more of a maybe a you know second week type free agent. Sure. So again, you can head over to cheeseheadtv.com. I've basically done all this stuff already. Uh, but the top guys, the two top guys that I really would like to target uh, would be, I think the, the Eagles have kind of jammed themselves up a little bit financially trying to keep that Super Bowl core together. It, it's not 100% clear that Brandon Graham will be back with the club. I would give, I would give Brandon Graham $15 million a year tomorrow. I mean, I just, uh, I think he's either 30 or 31. I think he's been an elite edge defender his entire career. He's been underrated, I think, his entire career. And that's maybe why you don't have to give him 16, 17, or 18 million. Uh, but I, I would I would easily go three years, 45 for Brandon Graham, no question. A mid-tier guy that I really like that has been with the Bears and the Fangio system this year, that's uh, Aaron Lynch. That's a guy I would add. The number one guy, though, that I would add to this team. And I keep having everybody tell me, oh, he's only going to go play for the Cowboys. He's only going to go play for the Cowboys. I don't know as though that's going to happen. And, and I don't think these people do either. Uh, the idea that, that a athlete would just limit himself outside of maybe LeBron James to the one place he wants to go, you know, Dallas has a pretty reckless owner. They have to give Amari Cooper a billion dollars now because you know, Jerry's going to do that. They also have to do the DAC extension. I don't know that there's room uh, for them to to add Earl Thomas, and that's the guy that I'm I'm kind of slowly getting to here is Earl Thomas. Uh, Earl Thomas is the prototype of free safety. Uh, you can get box safeties in the draft. I think they have one that would be just fine in Josh Jones. Uh, these guys, you know, even Saidi Pleasant and Ibrahim Campbell do a decent impersonation of a box safety. But the free safety is truly the one that's difficult to find. The center fielder, uh, the Malik Hooker, the Earl Thomas. This is a chance to add Earl Thomas in the same way that they added Julius Peppers when people kind of didn't realize just how good he still was. Uh, Earl Thomas would be my number one addition for this team. It would completely change everything that they were able to do on the back end. It would be like when... Uh, Petten had had Jim Leonard that he really trusted on the back end. Except Earl is infinitely more talented than than Coach Leonard is, and he would admit that immediately. So that would be where I'm kind of looking. Another mid level guy that I really would be interested in would be James Carpenter, who's an interior offensive lineman that uh, I think would would kind of help the current situation at right guard if they didn't just want to plug in uh, a rookie. And so with the with the cap room that the Packers have, Ross, do you think that could be something? I mean, you just listed off four names. Is that something that they could fit underneath their cap? Let's say the the pieces just fell perfectly. Could all four of those guys, I mean, hypothetically be in green and gold next year? Oh, absolutely. Depending on what they do with a couple of salaries here and there, they're gonna have between forty five and sixty million in cap space. Uh I, I just talked about adding Earl. A high end, I think, for Earl would be $12 million a year. Safeties just don't get paid that much, period. Uh, you saw a guy like Trey Boston sign for a million and a half. Earl's still an elite player, and I think even Dallas would drive up the price of, of his addition to the team. But 
you're not paying twenty million dollars a year to get Earl Thomas. It's just not going to happen. And and like I said, Brandon Graham, fifteen. You can move stuff around, but just on an AAV, you know, an average annual value standpoint, that's still only twenty seven of a twenty seven million off of a cap. That, like I said, a minimum is going to be forty five million in space, uh, potentially up to sixty million in space, depending on you know guys that 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 have uh, you know money that can be like oh like a Jimmy Graham, like a Nick Perry, uh, as far as you know, kicking the can down the street, not kicking the can down the street, letting them come back for one more year. Et cetera, et cetera. But yes, I mean, you you pay, um, you know, Lynch and and Carpenter four or five million bucks. That's that would actually be a raise from but what both of them were getting this year, and you're still you know in the mid thirties, and and you still have between ten and twenty five million in more space. And the Packers really, if you look, I mean. They don't really have anyone coming up like outside of like, say, like a Kenny Clark, uh, you know, when you talk about guys that are going to get paid um, in the next couple of years that I mean, unless unless I'm missing anyone, Ross, that's really which is kind of sad for the Packers. And it kind of explains their state of being right now. But really, Kenny Clark is probably the only guy really coming up that's going to demand, you know, big money that they might want to extend before he hits the before he hits the open market. Um, so. Okay, so we got so we got some guys uh, in free agency now. Really, the next part, which is I, I think the this is my favorite part of the offseason. This is what I spend a lot of time doing um, is the NFL draft, and the Packers are just absolutely loaded with top. You know, they got three in the top fifty right now, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ross, but I believe it's right if the draft were tomorrow, it's twelve, uh, thirty-two, or whatever the Saints finish, and then forty-three. Is that right? Something in that realm, yeah. Yep. I did a fan speak mock, uh, and I ended up with, yeah, 12, 30, and then the 12th pick of the second round. Okay. Yeah. So something like that. So what did you, who did you end up with in that fan speak? Oh, boy. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, Dalton Reisner, and TJ Hawkinson. Oh, my gosh. I, it, if that were to happen, I mean, I know this is, and this is early. I've, I've actually, I haven't watched Hawkinson at all yet, but I love, uh, I love Reisner. I love Polite. That would be two guys that I think would fit super well into what the Packers do as well. Uh, but um, who, who throw out some other names? Who else? Who else? I mean, obviously, you're looking at an edge rusher, you're looking at an offensive tackle, and you're looking at a tight end. Um, those are probably, I mean, I think you could throw offensive line is always a need. I think you always draft those guys. Um, I think you always draft a running back. I think, you know what I mean? You got all those picks, but edge, I think edge is by far and away the top, uh, the top need, but who are some, just give me some, uh, edge rushers that early in the process have kind of stuck out to you, Ross. Well, that'll be my position, you know, for, uh, for for the Cheesehead TV draft guide, as it is every year, seems like no matter how much work I do, uh, they, they never seem to address that spot. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm you know, I, I'm not that early on in the pro- or I'm not that far along in the process, I should say. Uh, admittedly, you know, I, I people know I cover North Dakota State for the twenty four seven Sports Network. I'm involved. Uh, you know, with the Packers during the season, doing film review, doing a number of things. Um, I I just, 
don't get there until the Packers are eliminated and the SU season is over. With that said, the guys that just from casually watching college football, and, and I said that I will probably end up dying on these hills, are Ja'Kai Polite and Josh Allen. Those are the two hills I'm going to die on this year uh, for, for the edge purposes. And and see with with Josh Allen, he was the guy that even if you know at Kentucky, he's you know he's kind of all Mister Everything. You know they talk about last year how you know if he were to come out last year, he's probably a second or third round draft pick. And now this year, he's probably you know he might he may work himself into a position where he's not even available for when the Packers do pick. Um, he's kind of between between him and Polite, or you know there are two guys that I've watched a little bit of. Uh, uh, Polite is if I could give like NFL comps polite is kind of that more compact kind of Melvin Ingram type of pass rusher where he's, he's explosive. He's uh, he uncoils very powerfully. And then Josh Allen is kind of that lankier, uh, you know, kind of, he kind of reminds me a little bit of the Mark and Marcus Davenport last year, just cause he's got the size, the length and the athleticism. Obviously there's so much to unfold with those guys because it's especially, and you know, this too, Ross edge rushers are guys that, you know, they go early, and I think you actually – you did write something on this recently about where do you guys get drafted. And edge rushers are absolutely the type of guy that they rely so much on athleticism that their test numbers matter. You know, you look at a guy like uh, like Hercules Matuafa last year. It, probably the most fun tape I saw all last offseason was him. You know, the, he was the – you know, he was an all-conference interior uh, interior uh, defensive lineman and all conference D end uh, just because he was that good. He was that much fun to watch when undrafted, you know, his, his test numbers were terrible and he's with, well, he went the, with the Vikings now. I think he got hurt, but um, you know, you see stuff like that. Uh, but talk to me a little bit too about, about your boy at K state uh, about Risner. What do you like about him? I just think there's positional versatility there. Uh, I believe Dalton's played, more than one position down there. I, I see a lot of, of, of uh, you know, draft people, you know, listing him as a center. Uh, that's where I draft him. Actually, as his fan speak was, was listed as a center. He is the best right tackle in football right now. Um, I think, you know, could play right guard. I think you could plug and play him in, in at right guard right away, uh, almost in a forest lamp type of way. But Forrest, you know, I think had a little bit of a, uh, a hype train going in, and now he can't even get minutes or, or, or snaps, which is unfortunate. But um, I just I, I love the versatility. I love the attitude. Um, he's a great kid. I, you know, I have obviously some connections in the Kansas State, uh, you know, department, and and he's up for every. Uh, award that you would ever get for being just a good person and a good leader and the way that he's helped with the coaching transition at Kansas state and the way uh, that he represents the, the university. He's just Packer people. You know, uh, Ted Thompson used to talk about Packer people. He is a fantastic player and he's Packer people. I think he could back up Corey Lindsley, uh, start at right guard and, and pitch in a right tackle if things went south. Yeah. It sounds like a, a match made in heaven and he's, He's obviously someone to keep an eye on as well. Um, and then, honestly, Ross, with I tweeted this out the other day. I'm so I'm just fed up with the Packers going out. And you know, it's two years in, a, really three if you count Jared Cook. But Jared Cook was good. Um, of going out and kind of signing these older tight ends to come in and just kind of be a disappointment. 
I'm just ready. Like, just can we just draft one for God's sake? Like, uh, this is such, this is a, you know, all signs would point to this being a really deep class at the tight end position. Um, a lot of that depending on what happens with these underclassmen. But for goodness sakes, you got the two kids from Iowa, Hawkinson, you already mentioned. Uh, Noah Fant is another one. Cameron Irv uh, looks like a stud as well. I mean, off the top of my head, those are the only three I can think of. But I know that I know that there's more um, than that. And kind of with that early second round pick, I'm kind of at the point right now, really early in the process, where I'm just like, I don't care who it is, just go, just go get your guy at tight at the tight end position. Because I am sick and tired. I mean, I'm I was real, you know, I was really excited about the Jimmy Graham. Uh, signing I thought it was a good signing and he's you know granted he's got a bum knee he's got a broken thumb but he's gosh he's been disappointing um so I don't know what you can speak to on the uh the tight end position um but uh if you know got any guys other than what I just named that I have kind of stuck out to you so far just from kind of watching college football this year uh you know I mean Fanton Hawkinson are of course the uh, the ones that everybody talks about because they happen to be, um, you know, they happen to be at the same school, which is kind of insane. Uh, you know, I think that um, it's interesting, I guess, that everybody, you know, had Fant as, uh, you know, TE1 with a bullet, basically, going into this um, – going into this season, but yeah, you know, you're, you're at a spot now where um, you potentially even the first two tight ends taken, you know, might be, uh, might, might be from the same team and, and, you know, you usually only play one of them. So that's pretty wild. Uh, Mizzou's got that kid with kind of the ridiculous name. Albert O. Yeah. Yeah. Albert O is a good player. And, and I, I mean, I like, uh, I like Caden Smith. I, I kind of have a thing for Stanford tight ends. I liked Dalton Schultz quite a bit as well. Uh, so we'll see uh, what his testing numbers come in at. But yeah, you know, I I think this is this is a year. Uh, I think the Packers just in general are at a place now where uh, you've got a young one that's got some talent in Robert Tanyan. Get a get a high pedigree one. Get get a tight end that you take in round one or round two. In my opinion, I, I I would rehab Jimmy Graham and tell him to run it out there one more time. And I know that might be a, a crazy take, but the way that that an offense could be correctly designed around him and uh, the the ease of getting out of his contracts after out of his contract after two years instead of getting out of it this year is is, is a little underpronounced. I mean, it is a big deal if they if they just decide to keep him one more year, that third year is basically a team option and would offer no consequences. So um, run Jimmy out there one more time, use Tanya, and then you can kind of slow roll a guy like Hawkinson or Fant uh, into the game plan. But I would love to see one of the two Iowa tight ends in Green Bay. There's no question about that. Yeah, I agree with you. That would be the make me happy. Um, One guy that I really like so far, he's kind of one of my early draft crushes. And I'm just going to lay this out for you. And you tell me what Packer safety this reminds you of. So we have a, a small school kid um, going to test really well athletically, extremely rangy, um, has played some corner before. Um, so if 
if in the last 15 years, you know, obviously I'm talking about like a Nick Collins. And you know who I'm talking about so far, Ross? Yeah, Nazir Adderley. Yes, from Delaware. He is, you know, my, the thing with him is I've honestly seen him getting mocked in the top 30 already, uh, which I was kind of hoping the hype train would slow, like <laughs> wouldn't start on him yet. Because if you turn on his tape, uh, I mean, he's a guy that he, he plays for Delaware at the FCS level. And he, he looks like, you know, when you get to that level, there are certain guys that just completely jump off the screen. Um, and he's one of them. And so, I, you know, I was kind of hoping that he'd be around. I mean, he, you know, gosh, this is early. He might still be um, around in the 40s range. But if they could land someone like that in the second round, I would be over the moon. Um, I don't know. And so he's an FCS guy. So I was wondering if you knew – um, if you if you watched a little bit of him, obviously they played North Dakota State this year. Um, uh, you know North Dakota State, you know stomp them like they stomp everyone else. But um, he even made a couple plays in that game that I thought stood out to me. Yeah, you know he couldn't keep from coming to NDSU and getting his butt kicked. But that's the kind of the the story for a lot of guys. Um, he's a good player, <laughs> and the reason I like Nasir is because I think Nasir can play free. Uh, and, and for me, that is such an important thing. Uh, I really do believe that Adderley can play the center field role. I don't think he's Malik or, or Earl Thomas, but um, ultimately I think you can play him in the Eddie Jackson role. That is what I think you could get out of a guy like Nasir Adderley is, is what Eddie Jackson brings to the Bears as kind of a top 100 pick, maybe not necessarily a top 15 pick. And that is that is incredibly valuable. So yeah, I mean, if that's if it's you know um, pick thirty, pick thirty two, pick thirty one, wherever New Orleans ends up, and and they you know kind of go a little off the board with with Adderley, that'd be something to get really excited about. I'm, I'm interested to see how he tests. That's for sure. I mean, um, if you're going to take a guy like that, he better be in the four fours or better because if he's in the four fives, you throw it out the window. But his tape doesn't look like four or five. No. And the other thing is, you know, he's listed at 5'11", 200. Uh, so, you know, maybe he might be 5'11", probably 5'10", in some change, and maybe like 190, 195. But, I mean, you never know. Uh, he'll be one to keep an eye on, though, for sure. But he's definitely just, you know, from the limited tape I've watched so far, he's been he's been really fun to watch. So um, there'll be other guys, too. You know, like I, as, as we're talking about this, it's just making me realize how much work I, I do need to do on this year's. And me too. I'm way behind. I mean, uh, it's a long way away, you know, but um, I've got. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, and really, though, I, I usually don't get started until the Packers season's over. So I'm going to it'll be interesting to see where I'm at when April comes around, because usually I get through, you know, 300 some players and uh, it'll be interesting to see where I'm at this year. And and in no way am I going to be a Dame Brugler or something like that. But uh, the draft is always a lot more fun when you put uh, put some work into it. So um, I'm sure we'll be talking plenty of draft as uh, as as it approaches here. But Ross, uh, that's all I have for today. So good job you fixed you fixed the Packers. They're <laughs> um, I we're sure ready, did. We're ready to roll. So I'm sure uh, Gutenkusk and Mur- and Murphy are listening to this. So this may be Ross's last episode as he takes over as some type of senior advisor. Uh, for the Packers soon. Um, so Ross, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, but no, so uh, Packers fans, thanks always uh, for listening to us. Um, you'll be getting a lot of off season talk coming up because that's what we got on our plate in front of us. So 
Um, like I said, as always, thank you so much for listening. You can uh, subscribe to us on anything that you get your podcasts on. Um, and until next time, go Pack Go. Third down and eight. Packers are three of eight on third down conversions. Now gets the snap. Tight pocket. Lost it down the left side. Adams leaping. Grab. Wow. Oh, what a catch. Wow. Right over Principal Kamara. Out of bounds. 20-yard line of Chicago. That was an incredible leaping grab over the defender. Long count by A-Rod. Takes. Handoff. Williams around the right end. Makes the turn to the wow. five. End zone. Touchdown. Oh, they got great seal blocks off the right side. And outside the numbers. Jamal Williams on a 10-yard touchdown run. And the Packers are right back in it. Rodgers shotgun. Slot right, slot left for the two-point conversion. Snap to Rodgers. Has some time. Rolls it over the middle. Devontae Evans has it. Two-point conversion. And we are tied at 14 apiece. Third and one, snap to Cohen, makes the handoff, fumbles it, it's up for grabs, and I believe Green Bay's got it. it. More arrogance by Matt Nagy. A trick play. Oh, all the tricks in the world, and they're foiling the Bears now. Dean Lowry makes the fumble recovery. Second down, a little bit less than six yards to go, and they spot it. Just beyond the 44-yard line of Green Bay. Snap Rogers looking left. Throws it to Adams on the slant. He's got it inside the 40. Breaks a tackle down to the 35. And has tumbled down through the hash marks on the right side at the 33-yard line of Chicago. Fourth down and six at the Green Bay 45. Rogers long count the line. Takes the snap. Back pedals. Steps up Floyd, eludes Floyd on the pass rush, throws the middle, he's got Devontae cutting right inside the 35, down near the 31-yard line of Chicago, brought down to the 30-yard line, number by Adrian Amos, the safety. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.